Coffee, Cows, and Crops is produced by the Peace Country Beef and Forage Association and hosted by Extension Coordinator Johanna Murray. On this podcast, we discuss management practices and research results with scientists, ranchers, researchers, and farmers. We strive to share innovative information and farming practices supported by sound science and practical wisdom. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get learning. everybody. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Coffee, Cows, and Crops. Uh, today I'm chatting with Elaine Fraze, a family farm transition expert, and we'll be chatting about some keys to effective transition. But before we get to all the fun stuff, Elaine, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm really happy to be here and happy to be coming up to the Peace Region on November 18th to do a seminar with folks who want to get to the table to have courageous conversations about what they expect for their future on their farms and ranches. And I'm a farmer, partner of a certified seed business in southwestern Manitoba with my husband, Wes, and our son, Ian, and his wife are um, our successors with three little grandchildren next door. So I'm on the same journey as your listeners. Right on. So I've heard lots of people talk about fairness and farm transition and succession. And I've also heard a couple of different definitions of what makes something fair. <laughs> so how do you define fairness, in, especially in farm transition? So the question I like to ask is, how can you help everyone in your family be successful? That is my definition of fairness. The first time I ever presented this was in Grand Prairie, actually, and it was um, January of 2018. So my acronym is F-A-I-R. So F stands for financial transparency. And I really believe that farmers and ranchers need to have full financial transparency with their successors and the rest of the family. Attitudes towards money. Intention. The I stands for what are your intentions? Do you intend to keep the farm and the ranch intact? And if so, how are you going to manage the expectations of your non-farm heirs? And then last R, F-A-I-R, R stands for roles and rebels. So what do you want your roles to be as you age in place on your farm? And secondly, what are you going to do with the rebels, the, the uh, family members who no matter what you do, it's never enough. And they expect a quarter of the ranch because they're one of the four children. So really finding fairness in farm transition is having those tough conversations and figuring out what you need for an income stream, where you're going to live, and then how you're going to help people in your family be successful. Right. That makes sense. So part of that, when discussing this episode, you mentioned one of your top things to consider in transition is housing. Um, so why is that? Because houses are expensive to build. <laughs> and, I, and I know this to be true because my son built a beautiful new house just right across the shelter belt from us about three years ago and informed me that he didn't want to live in my house so I didn't have to move. So I saved myself half a million dollars or, or whatever you want the price of your new home or your new location to be. Housing is also a part of letting go. And the founding generation probably has said somewhere to the rest of the family, you can take me out of this house boots first. Well, that's a story that's not helpful if that's where all the, you know, the cow pens, the barns, the watering, of all the infrastructure or the grain bins or whatever. So housing is a pretty big issue because it's expensive and it's going to cost either money to the farm or money personally through a mortgage to the family who needs the new home. Mm -hmm. 
that makes sense. And I'm trying to keep things simpler here with a map too, right? So the first part of the map is where your income stream is going to be, what's going to come from the farm asset side, what's going to come from the personal wealth. And at the seminar, it'll become very clear that as you go through this map that I have, it helps you decrease your sense of anxiety and overwhelm because you you have data, you have financial data on what needs to come from the farm and what needs to come from your personal wealth. So in a best case scenario, if you had $2 million on the personal side, 4% of that would be $80,000, which would be a good start towards covering your family living as you age in place on your ranch. So income streams, housing, and fairness, that's kind of where we'll start unpacking. So on the income streams uh, side of things, I know a commonly, I don't know about recommended, but a commonly used way for the younger generation to start getting incorporated into the family farm and understand how it runs is that they come in with a different enterprise. Like they take over all the direct marketing or they bring in and start raising pigs or sheep or whatever. What are your thoughts on that method of kind of introducing them to the financial management side of things? Well, everybody, you know, 4-H has a saying, learn to do by doing. And everybody comes back to a farm business with a new uh, or a different skill set. So I'm thinking that um, in some cases, I have young men and women who have, say, a custom hanging business or an enterprise that they can call their own. Because really what they're proving is their management and financial skills for managing other types of enterprises. So that's not, that's not a bad idea. But the, pro- the problem usually exists when the next generation coming back has a different vision of how they want the farm to be. And I have certain farmers who don't want to work with cattle. And so the cattle will be the first thing to go. And they want to be grain farmers. And is that wrong? No, that's where they have their passion and they see the profitability. So that's the way they want to go. But, you know, with the the Forage and Beef Association, of of course, these are people who are deeply invested in having cattle and, and doing their forage businesses. And so you're always looking for where... Um, where your profitability is. And that that also brings the case in transition of viability. So the question I ask families is, do you know your numbers? Do you know what you need to live? And do you know how many families this business can support? And sometimes you can't support more than two families. So the third brother or sister cannot come back because it's not viable to, to, to give a livelihood to that many people. Right, that makes sense. That kind of feeds right into uh, my other question, which is clarity of expectations. Like a a lot of people talk about clarity in farm transition. And I've heard that complaint from a couple of people my age and as well as people from the older generation about how tricky it is to have that clear discussion about which kids want to stay on the farm and who wants to do what and all of that sort of stuff. And that's where timelines and deadlines are really important. So in our case with our son, he went to ag school and got his diploma in agriculture. And then we said, Ian, by the time you're 27, you have to tell us, are you in or you out? And had he told us earlier, there, you know, land coming up for sale or other things that would, it's called the successor effect. So when you know you have a successor, then your growth and business vision is different 
than when you realize that you don't have a successor. And then you may start thinking about joint ventures with a non-family member, or you may think about selling assets. So it's really important that you use timelines and deadlines. So a good, a good piece of language for your listeners is by when, by when will we make this decision? By when will we have our first facilitated family meeting just to explore people's expectations of what the future of this family looks like and what the future of this farm or ranch looks like? So the, the whole thing about deadlines is, is really good for getting clarity. The other thing that's helpful is to think about the culture of your farm. What do you believe to be true? So do you all value the same thing? If you value hard work, if you value honesty, if you value wealth, if you value profitability, you will have a much different succession plan than if you value the lifestyle and you don't care if you're making money because mm-hmm. that's a hard, you know, that's a hard thing is, is there's, there are people listening to this who are very enamored with what they do, but they haven't been paying attention to building out a business. Right. And with these conversations, when should we start having these conversations about transition, especially with like with young kids and that sort of stuff? Like it can get really easily, especially in a family situation where you just kind of get your head, head down and then all of a sudden the kids are like graduating from university and looking for a job in town. You're like, oh, wait, I thought we were doing X, but you never talked about it, right? Well, and if you remember that, um, you know, t- the year 2000, Y2K was 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. And people say life is like a roll of toilet paper. The faster you get to the end of the roll, the faster it rolls. So time goes by quickly and farmers are famous for procrastination and conflict avoidance. And so succession transition conversations actually start when you're four years old. And my grandson is two and a half now, and he is doing things with his dad and digging up seeds and seeing sprouts And his sisters are also, you know, riding along in the combine or whatever. But the whole attitude towards the business and towards agriculture starts when children are very young. And of course, as young parents on your farm and ranch, you're exhausted because you have an off-farm job, you're working in the farm business, and you're raising young children. And so it's very intentional to take the time to carve out time to have those kinds of conversations. And so farmers are avoiding these conversations because they are afraid of conflict. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's where the mindset shift in agriculture has to happen. I see conflict as a business risk management strategy. I coach families and our team coaches families to embrace the ability to express your emotions, share your perspective. This is how I feel. And this is how I think you're feeling. I'm putting myself in your shoes right now. I'm reaching out to you. I'm adapting. But most of all, I want this conversation to be one where we create solutions. So what is it that you envisioned for the future? Clarity of expectations. What are your timelines? By when can we start having these family meetings to unpack our ideas and our values and our goals and our vision? And then thirdly, can we actually get this done? Because time is going to go by. And at the seminar, I'll do my little speech around, well, you know, we can't do this now because it's harvest. (laughs) Well, actually, you can talk on a phone and drive a combine at the same time. And the other thing, oh, we can't do it till after Christmas. Oh, no, we can't do it till after winter calving. No, we can't do it till 
till after Easter. No, we can't do it till after seeding and planting. No, we can't do it after hay. No, we can't do it after till after fungiciding. And what you've done is you've just gone through an entire year on the farm, putting it off. Mm-hmm. All procrastination. And that's what has to stop in agriculture now. Right. That makes sense. So the other thing you mentioned to shift from the family transition is this non-traditional succession idea where you have a joint venture with somebody who's not from the family. Do you have any advice for getting those sorts of things either worked into a succession plan or any of that sort of stuff, I guess? Are you asking for non-traditional structures? Is that what you're asking? Sort of, yeah. Well, in, in integrating a person into the succession plan who isn't a family member. Right. And and we have I have that where daughters come back to be managers of the dairy. So the daughter is the successor and the son-in-law comes along and quits his carpentry job and is now an employee of the dairy and is wondering when do I become beyond an employee and become a shareholder. So there can be non-family spouses that are brought into the business. And in terms in terms of joint ventures, um, one of my coaches, Lydia Carpenter, is from the city and she and her, her partner, Vion, have um, started a farm from scratch with a farmer in their area who liked what they were doing with direct farm marketing and raising cattle and how they do their rotational grazing and have hens and pigs and stuff. And, and they're a profitable entity seven years later um, because of the strategic planning that they've done with this um, joint venture partner. So I it, it does work. And it, I have a PDF that I'm happy to share with listeners, and it's called Non-Related. <laughs> Where is it written in agriculture that you have to do business or have businesses created with people who you're related to? And that is very freeing. Also in cases where there's high degree of conflict within a family of origin, I have another coach who left the family of origin, found a bachelor farmer down the road, and she and her husband farmed for a few years with that man Mm -hmm. as if it was their own farm, Mm -hmm. right? And we also have to address the fact that sometimes um, goals do not align, values do not align, personalities do not align, and that's where Dr. Henry Cloud's book called Necessary Endings what to do when things don't work out is important. And so I have a really happy story of a ranch family that did a lot of conflict coaching and realized that these two brothers were never going to work well together. And the father was very gracious and very generous. And he gave a, a six figure gift to his son who left. And he said, I want you to be successful. You're going to need some startup funds. Please use this to help you get restarted somewhere else beyond the ranch and that family is still a family because they recognize that the two brothers would not be good business partners so you never know the rest of the story it's an unfolding of people being really clear about what will work well together and what might not Mm -hmm. that makes sense so once the transition process has started once you've had these conversations and maybe you've got people taking over as man in management and that sort of stuff. What comes next? What sort of things should we be keeping in mind through that process? And even like for the next couple of years after you've transitioned, 
Well, the, the news flashes is a transition is a journey and it's never done until you die. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the hard news, right? It becomes then an estate plan, mm-hmm. but um, people, I, I call this the roundup solution. I have farmers who call me and they go, Elaine, just give me the checklist. What do I have to do to get this done? Oh, and I want to get it done right. I don't want to make any mistakes. It has to be done right the first time. And I go, wow, that's a lot of pressure. So I always, I always encourage folks that they make the best decisions they can with the best advice that they have at the time. And so it's, it's, a, it's a journey. It's an unfolding. So once you've started the process, what I want you to pay attention to is regular um, family business meetings on either a quarterly or, or annual basis. Families do it different ways. Um, our family does it with our accountant once a year. Um, we've had our tax specialist and our accountant come and sit with us on the couch in the middle of the summer to do another family meeting because my son's corporation first had to be um, one way and then it had to be another way to be a joint venture with my husband's corporation. So those kinds of things all take time. But I think the key is keeping on top of, are you doing okay? Has anything changed? Do we need to make tweaks and adjustments? And to know that um, for farm founders, it's really hard to step back and step away. And that's the phrase that Dick Whitman, Whitman is W-I-T-T-M-A-N, WhitmanConsulting.com. And for $200 US, you too can own his digital binder, which is fabulous for giving you all kinds of templates and tools to get clear about job descriptions. Because my husband is 65, so he's in the stage where he's going to be aging from 65 to 75 and still want to be fairly active, but he's really tired by eight o'clock at night. And so who's going to relieve him on the combine at 10 o'clock at night, right? Mm -hmm. Which probably isn't going to happen because that's likely his most favorite job on the entire farm. (laughs) So he spent probably 35 years trucking. So he finally graduated the combine and people who are truckers will laugh at that because trucking is probably the hardest job, right? Mm -hmm. So as things shift and change, and then there's another stage from 75 to 85, well, that's an aging farmer who still wants to be kept in the loop, but also maybe wants to have other things to spend time on, or maybe wants to travel more. And then the next stage is 85 to 95. And I have some ranchers in Alberta who are at my seminars, and they're like 89 years old. And but have they transferred assets and equity to their 67-year-old sons so that those sons and daughters also can transfer the opportunity to own things to their 30-something or 28-year-old sons and daughters? And I have a, a blog called Strong Warning for 80-Year-Olds. So this whole, I want to do it right the first time, Elaine, is important, but I also want families to understand that it's you build a good team of advisors you have yearly check-ins or quarterly check-ins. And Dr. Cole's research in Virginia Tech way back in 1997 found that the 400 farms that they studied over six states who had regular farm business meetings, like monthly or however often they needed them, they were 21% more profitable. And what's the common denominator is that people are focusing on the issues, attacking the issues, not attacking the person, and making things happen. 
Mm-hmm. So in business, we would call it focus and execute. And in, right. Alberta, in Albertans, we'll say, just get her done. <laughs> Makes sense to me. That's right, because you're from Alberta. You're yeah. Alberta. <laughs> just get her done. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty good advice right there. Just get her done. But what, what's the best piece of advice that you've heard about farm transition? I would say let everyone around the table have a voice and create a safe and respectful venue for that to happen. Um, My word for this year is listen, to be really good at listening to what the other person is thinking, feeling, needing, and wanting. And, you know, with my daughter-in-law, I will say to her, what would you like me to do differently? Um, The dance with my husband and son is, letting go of management, but making sure that things are done in a timely fashion. Because in our farm, my husband is ambitious, determined, which means he's high for getting tasks done. And the reason I know this. So another piece of advice would be know who you are and how you're wired and what your strengths are and work with your strengths and make sure that the rest of the team doesn't have gaps of weaknesses that need to be filled in by someone who has those strengths. Mm. And that's called, our team has an, a tool called the personal style indicator. I actually did it with my daughter-in-law and my son before they were engaged. And it was life-changing because I remember we were sitting down in, at this family meeting in August, talking about what the future might look for him, like for him coming back to the farm. His girlfriend, then girlfriend was sitting right beside him. And it was like, once he realized there was a place and a time and a space for him to be here, and he was passionate about agriculture. Um, and we looked at how we were all wired through our personal style indicators. They were engaged a month later. It was amazing how quickly things happened. <laughs> yeah. Get that understanding of, oh, yeah, this is how this is going to work. Okay. Or what the intention is. So in conflict resolution, we have this thing called intent action effect. Mm. So my intent as a parent and as a founder and a farm partner is not to cause harm. My intent is to make sure and understand that there's harmony through understanding, understanding the goals for the farm, understanding what the family needs. And I just did another podcast on growing the future podcast that listeners might also like to listen to with Dan Eberhardt. We just did it recently because it's called a polarity and a polarity is a problem that never goes away. It just has to be managed. So the other, the other pressure on transition planning is the ongoing heaviness of work in the peace region and all over Alberta and all over the prairies. We're all in get or done mode, right? Mm-hmm. But we can't always be working. We also have to have time for family and rest and play and renewal, but that's never going to end. And different families manage that in different ways. And in our farm, we don't work on Sundays, which is considered weird, but our employees love it because they get 52 Sundays off a year. And even now we're making other adjustments for our young parent employees who need more family time, even during harvest. So it's, it's something that it's like an infinity loop. You, you work and then you play, but you always want to be to the positive access of What's going right in this zone of work? And is it time now to make a shift to the renewal side? Right. But farmers want roundup quick solutions and there is no solution to that. 
yes everything's about timing it's got to be done at the right time and the yeah. right way the right rate and all that sort of stuff uh, but but i have this saying different is not wrong it's just different there's more than one way to do something mm-hmm. yeah and now that you know now that we've fungicided forever farmers don't have time off in july like they used to because now there's this thing called fungicide and Ranchers have shifted their calving season. So you can have winter calving for certain reasons or spring calving. And, you know, um, the ranching for profit folks will go to their executive link boards and learn, wow, you do that on your farm and nobody, nobody, you know, got upset. No, it actually worked. And so it's really good to, to copy success. And that's what we'll encourage in the seminar. Everyone will be able to text me privately through my phone, ask me absolutely anything they want. I read the question, nobody knows who it came from, and then we all learn together. So I think it will be a great opportunity to have some more tools for good transition. Absolutely. So again, we will be hosting Elaine on Friday, November 18th in Peace River for an in-person transition planning workshop. So there will be more information about that up on our website here shortly. Uh, But in the meantime, do you have any other resources that you recommend for dealing with farm transition or getting ready for (laughs) for the workshop? I'd I'd really encourage folks to go to farmfamilycoach.com, which is my website, and go into the insights tab and sign up for my blog that comes out twice a month. The other thing is on Instagram, um, my handle is farm family coach, but on my Instagram account, there's a link tree link and it's just loaded with other podcasts that I've been on and videos and other resources. So that would be just um, L I N K T R dot E E forward slash farm family coach. So you just go to farm family coach on Instagram and go to my link tree. Um, it's just really easy to, to get resources there. I have five books. We have webinars. The other encouragement, I just found out last week, a farmer who spent nine hours watching my YouTube videos, and I go, oh my goodness, you must have been really bored. But um, no, he just wanted to get an essence of what my message was. And so on YouTube, again, just search Farm Family Coach. So again, everybody has a different story, and I don't know what the story is that your listeners are telling themselves about their attitudes towards money or about what their identity will be when they're no longer the main manager of the farm or the ranch. But every voice is important. Everybody needs a role and everybody needs to be respected. And I think if you have that kind of culture on your farm, you're going to be unstoppable. I've had, I've had, I've had young farmers say, Elaine, I want to get adopted into your family. And I go, great. Obviously you've been reading too much of my grain news columns but they just have such a longing for the conflict to be resolved and there doesn't have to be drama on your farm and if there is you don't have to attend the performance so i really want listeners to embrace conflict resolution as a business risk management strategy i want them to ask deeper questions better questions and be able to put themselves in the shoes of a young rancher and his spouse, they're both working hard on the ranch, they're raising kids, they're trying to keep everybody safe, they want to make money, and yet they're so frustrated because their voice and their ask to have the parents come to the table seems like a longing that's never fulfilled. And Proverbs says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I think that's the mental health 
uh, and wellness conversation we're having in agriculture is everybody needs to have hope that there will be a change for the future, that they will have the opportunity to grow assets and that they will have the life and the relationships they've always wanted on their ranch. So thank you for this opportunity to share with your listeners this morning. And I would love to see 150 farmers and ranchers in that hall and or hotel that we'll be in Peace River <laughs> on November 18th. And in the meantime, start listening to these conversations that we've talked about today and, you know, look at all my resources and find encouragement. And lastly, I'd just like to leave you with write a letter, start writing down what it is you truly want for your farm and ranch, what your vision is, and write a letter of appreciation to your parents for the opportunities they've given you and also express your desire to have those conversations that you've been avoiding. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Elaine. I really appreciate it. This was very good. Well, we didn't drink the coffee, but we talked about cows a bit. (laughs) (laughs) We did. I drank some coffee. (laughs) Maybe our listeners will be drinking coffee too. All right. See you on the 18th. It'll be great to get together. Thanks so much. Peace Country Beef and Forage Association is a research and extension group based out of Fairview, Alberta. Our mission is to help producers thrive in an agricultural system that is profitable, regenerative, and attractive to future generations. To learn more about what we do and see the results of our research trials or our archive of newsletters and fact sheets, check out our website at peacecountrybeef.ca. Want to get in touch? Have a burning question or a topic suggestion? Send us a message on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Thanks for listening.